All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckineers? What the fucksters? That's it. That's all of them. How, how are you? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Welcome aboard. Hello. Hello into your head. Hello, you there on the treadmill, out there on the sidewalk, perhaps, running with your new running shoes. Be careful. How's it going in your car? Everything okay on the tube? Are you okay on the tube? How, how, how are you on the subway? Everything all right? Are you, are you going into the tunnel? Are you out of the tunnel? How's it going? Uh, uh, you there on the airplane. You, you okay? Hi. Yeah, you. That's right. That's right. You can read and listen to me at the same time. I'm, I'm okay with that. What do you got there? Did you go with the vegetarian option? Hi. How's it going? You sitting at home uh, on your computer taking a break from washing the thing. How, how are you doing there in your cubicle at work? Is this funny to you? Is this, look around, look around. You're the only, you know, fuck those people. Look around. Yeah, fuck all of them. <laughs> right? Right? Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Did you get, are you smiling now? Are you smiling? Oh, be cool. Be cool. People are going to wonder what you're doing. I, I am Mark Marin. I mentioned that? Nice to see you. Nice to, to talk to you. I did a lot of work. I finished signing 1,000 of the books that I bought surplus of my books. They're all sold out. Thank you. There's still plenty of, uh, of different marination tour posters at wtfpod.com slash merch. There's a a few mugs. Go to brianrjones.com and you can get the uh, the WTF mugs, the fancy ones, the hand-thrown ones. I think there's a few left. Try it. You know, Brian can only make them as quick as he can make them. He's a potter. He's got a child. All right, he's a potter with a child. Can't spend a lot of time on the wheel when you got a young child in the house. So, uh... So maybe there's some there. So, Sir Ian McKellen is on, and I was excited and nervous about this. Today, he's also on The Nerdist. Uh, he's promoting uh, Mr. Holmes, and sometimes we get uh, our guests while they're they're running around doing the promotional thing. I just got a text from Chris. Uh, where is it? Hey, I just heard, this is Chris Hardwick on my phone in a little talkie balloon. I love the idea of cross-promoting, so I'm happy to tell tells folks It says tells in our intro to jump over to WTF for some sweet double Ian McKellen podcast action. And I will tell you the same then because this is a weird thing about podcasting is that I think we all have different styles. Maybe you want to take this opportunity today to to enjoy the different styles that uh, Chris and I have and to also to enjoy a Sir Ian McKellen in two different formats. Now I'm going to have to listen. I'm going to have to listen to the Nerdist to see how uh, how it went over there. I don't do that. Got nothing against Chris. I just don't have time. I'm too busy listening to stacks and stacks of records. That's my that's my my second job. Oh, and I signed 1,000 books. Not complaining, but it was a work day today. A lot of uh, manual labor with the Sharpies. Hey, can I reach out to Sharpie and say, how about making a fucking pen that doesn't dry out, you know, if you've left the cover off for 12 seconds? How about one of those? Do you have one of those? I know you make a retractable. Sometimes that those are okay if you retract it, and I know that's on me. But let's talk about the cap thing. Seriously, if I if I got a sharpie and I'm using it, and a cap and a cap, and I set it down for 15 seconds, perhaps to get another thing that I'm about to write on, it's 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 fucked. It's gone. Am I missing a trick? What's happening? This is like an anti ad for sharpie. So yeah, I was um, I was excited and a bit nervous to talk to a Sir Ian McKellen because um, I mean I've seen enough of his work to know who he is, but I also know he's a he's a uh, a Shakespearean actor, and as some of you know, my experience with Shakespeare has not been great. Okay, I don't uh, I don't always understand Shakespeare. I th- I think that's a, that's the wrong way to put it. I don't take the time to wrap my brain around the language uh, in order to understand Shakespeare. And I'm going to talk to Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, about Shakespeare. I think that's reasonable, and I hope you enjoy that. I don't, you know, I I'm starting to think that one of the reasons cats have a, a, a somewhat detached or or um, mysterious or even nasty disposition is do you ever really consider the amount of times you wake your cat up from a nap could you imagine if someone did that to you like as soon as you get like i'm you're a half hour into a good nap and someone just comes over and starts you know rubbing your head yeah i i think that i think we underestimate the rage inside a cat just from that just from the fact that we wake them up from from naps almost constantly let's talk now this is my conversation 
Um, with Sir Ian McKellen, uh, his movie Mr. Holmes is out now, and uh, and that is a Sherlock Holmes movie, although not uh, the exact Sherlock Holmes you you know. And uh, and and see how you enjoy my conversation with uh, with Sir Ian McKellen, and feel free to compare it with Chris's Hardwick's. That is, this is a big day. This doesn't happen too often, and it's never happened where we both have the same guests. So I'm going to go and listen to his. All right, here's uh, me and Sir Ian McKellen. The President of the United States was here three stop, weeks ago. Stop it. <laughs> That's his cup. He left his cup. <laughs> he sat right where you're sitting. How fantastic. It was amazing. He came to my well, house. Was he excited that he knew I was coming? Yeah, I told him. That's the only reason <laughs> that he, he decided to do the show. He was, <laughs> he was on the fence initially. So uh, <laughs> how, how do people uh, refer so to you, you sir, I'm... Ian? No, Ian, it'll do. Hey, you want to you wear headphones or no? You want to just pull the mic closer to your face? You know, like doing a voiceover. Perfect. Beautiful. And what did you talk to him about? I talked to him about, uh, we ended up talking about race, about weapons, about uh, his life as president, you know, how he handles it, his wife, his children a bit. It was so a tight you, hour. Do you think you got something out of him that other people didn't? Well, I got to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him uh, as a, in this intimate setting, oh, really? which I think tonally sounded different than anything he had yes, done previous. Yes. And what was his motive, I suppose, for doing I it? think it was to, you know, to sort of reintroduce himself on some level to, uh, to the American people. I think here uh, in this country, uh, you know, people become detached. They, uh, the president sort of fades into the background eventually, and I, I think mm. that he was, is seen as a lame duck at this point. And I think he thought that... By using uh, this show, he could sort of connect to people that may have become a bit apolitical and uh, show a different side of himself. Yeah. And I think it worked. Good. And and did you have a sense of who's downloading you, listening? Sure. They're, they're presumably getting in contact with you. Uh, well, you know, it's, my audience tends to be uh, sensitive, slightly aggravated people. <laughs> You know, usually intelligent uh, of all ages. I, I don't think I have a demographic. I think it's more of a disposition that seems to uh, to arc from 13 to 80. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, good people, generally speaking. Yeah. And I need to uh, I, I need to ask you about uh, some things because you, you know I, I'm not uh, dumb, but uh, I have not. Uh, <laughs> I'm just one of these people. I have this conversation before. Are we, are we on now? Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, so uh, I, I. That's, that's what the other guy did. We started talking. I was saying a few things. I said, "Hang about." Yeah. It's being recorded. Oh, sure. Well, well, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. That's I just, right. Well, just that, like to I, know. I wanted for the record to you to know that Chris Hardwick, the other guy, mm. stole that from me. So. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I can touch the president's cup, I'll let you do that. Um, but I, I imagine you covered the uh, the Hobbit and uh, and Lord of the Rings fairly well. That's thoroughly. all rather old news. However, I mean the 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 the, the, the yes. fascinating thing is that although I haven't been to Middle Earth as it were for a long time now, yeah. those movies are still current because. Of course, uh, people watch movies at home all the time. They will be forever current with a certain part of the population. Yes, I know, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a bewilderment to me. And I, uh, is it? Oh, you know, you do a job, and there we are. You made a film, but oh, uh, fifteen years later, someone comes up to you. I've just seen your movie. What? what I, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, you're usually quite a young person. Yeah, no, that's very gratifying. Yeah, we only act for, to to for get a reaction from an audience, right? They? So when you get the reaction, it's uh, precious. Yeah, yeah. even if it comes years later. Yes. Well, does. there's no there's no more late to the party. Uh, the the party's <laughs> ongoing, and yes. you can come in whenever you want, Thank as you. if it started. Okay. Uh, but my question is, you, you knowing your you, your history, is is that um, I need to I, I need somebody to to make me want to understand Shakespeare, and I, oh. I don't. I don't know if you can do that. Well, that's what I spent a lot of my life trying to do because uh, Shakespeare means a great deal to me and, and my colleagues, and we know that your life's going to be <clears throat> enhanced by being familiar with those amazing stories and amazing language. So I had a show called Acting Shakespeare, uh -huh. and I talked about Shakespeare, and, and the Shakespeare I was talking about was the acting Shakespeare, the... Uh, 
uh, Shakespeare, who often gives his characters at some moment of stress in their lives, uh, uh, they express that uh, with a, a metaphor, which is to do with acting. All the world's a stage. Right. Sure. All, all the men and women merely players. They yeah. have their exits and yes. their entrances. And I think one of the Shakespeare's messages is, if you understand that about human beings, that we are all actors, it'll illuminate uh, your life. Uh, and, well, what does that mean? Well, when you get up in the morning, you decide what costume you're going to wear. Yeah, that, no, I, absolutely, you know? sure. Now, you're quite relaxed here. Yeah, uh, as uh, are you, I will add. reassure your listeners that you are fully clothed, but relaxed. <laughs> you are a knight with a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, and a T-shirt. Uh, but, uh, of course, you dress here in this part of the world uh, because of the weather. But if <clears throat> you and I were going out this evening to some event, we would change our costume. Mm -hmm. uh, and clothes expresses a part of our uh, nature. Animals don't do that. Animals no, always stay right. the same. Sure. They, they don't need clothes. They don't wear clothes. They don't understand clothes. They don't understand presentation of themselves. And, and what's more, we not only change our costumes, but we change our language too. I remember at school, like, I had a different accent at school. It was a broader northern Lancashire accent in the north of England. Where I but was that, that was natural to you, though? Uh, I mean, uh, you uh, it, it, it was something like this. It was quite broad. Can, when you were a kid? Yeah, I can pick up the difference. Now, yeah, sure, of course. But at home, where my parents didn't speak with so strong an accent, I changed my voice. So, And I'm capable of doing that because I'm a human being, because... I'm an actor. And you uh, adapt. Uh, we're all actors. Well, and, let me and, ask and we love pretense and we love using our imagination and we love uh, just showing a different side of our personality in different situations. A dog uh -huh. is always a dog. That's and, right. And that's why uh, dogs are so funny. Yeah. Because they get into situations where um, it's not appropriate for dogs and, and, and we laugh. Right. And they, and they change emotionally. They can be needy or mean oh. or yeah, I mean they're, the, yeah, they're playing one part. That's right. But that's that, that's they, the point. There's a slight emotional range. In the way they look and, right. and, and, and probably they've only got one bark. Well, well, we, <laughs> yeah. But a couple different sounds. Yeah. But what when you were younger when you where'd you grow up exactly in the north of england in the industrial north in, in a county called lancashire it's where the beatles came from near, near liverpool did you see the beatles did you i had that you, know, you said it's, it's the greatest review i've ever had is when i was opening in a play in, yeah. in, in, in nottingham in the north of england and the beatles were playing at the local cinema so before they were big I and assume. the critic said I was so taken with Ian McKellen's performance that it reconciled me to missing the Beatles. Oh, wasn't that nice? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was before they came to America. How, yeah, how old we should just go back to Shakespeare. No, we are. I just wanted to oh, know yeah, how, sorry. You, no, you're, how you came. You're conducting this, not me. No, no, but I, I mean, it's interesting to me that you grow up, and I, and I know Shakespeare is sort of ingrained uh, in, in, in British culture. Well, it's certainly. possible, uh, uh, as I did, before I went to college at aged 18, I suppose I'd seen... Half of the thirty-seven Shakespeare plays, so. and what 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 sparked that desire in you? Because as a, maybe as an American and as someone who's lazy, I I can't get past the the languages, and I'm an English major, and I and I somehow avoided Shakespeare because I can't I can't follow the emotions, I can't follow the story. Well, that's a pity, and uh, you but <laughs> yes. you you perhaps didn't see very good actors doing Shakespeare. It is it is difficult. You have to learn how to do it. Yeah. It's, it's as difficult in its own way as singing some Mozart. Uh, okay, and you're not going to get Mozart by uh, looking at the score on the page. That's you? right. And no. you're probably not going to get Shakespeare just by reading it for yourself. You have to hear it out loud, and an audience, of course, audio, are listeners uh, before they're spectators, I and and so. Um, if you get practiced uh, performers of Shakespeare, it's more likely that you will will be able to understand it because they understand it. I watched uh, I, w I watched William Hurt I think butcher Richard the Second once. All right, it, it, it was a little difficult. Well, there you go. If you if, if you want a good in, if you want a good introduction to Shakespeare, yeah. it's not too late. You know. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, <laughs> you should you sh you should get uh, the uh, DVD of Macbeth, one of Shakespeare's best and shortest and most popular plays with Very Olivier. No, no, with Ian McKellen. Oh, okay. Uh, and, <laughs> and, Hold on, let me write that down. <laughs> you won't be able to spell it. Uh, Judy Dench, uh, a great uh, British uh, actress, was playing Lady Macbeth, and it was directed by the man who at the time was running the Royal Shakespeare Company. So this was a group of people who really cared about Shakespeare. 
And we did it in a very, very small theatre for 100 people, and that adapted very easily to, to the television screen. Well, we didn't have any scenery. Mm-hmm. It was just the actors uh, and, and uh, their voices. Uh, and my sister, who, uh, when she was a teacher, used to play it for her uh, little girls of 12, 13, and she'd leave them in the room. She'd, she'd pull the blinds down and she'd put it on the screen and she'd stand outside and wait for the first scream. Uh-huh. Because it's a very terrifying play. It's about magic and witches and, yeah. and danger and murder and blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, look at look at that because it's it's probably I'm not the only person to say this the most convincing screen version of Shakespeare that you can get. There's 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 no spectacle. There's there's no scenery. There's no weather. There's, mm-hmm. It's just the voices really, but you can see the the faces and. Uh, I would be amazed if you had difficulty understanding it. It's, it's very, okay, very I'm, simple. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to do it, and, I, and it's going to start a, an entire new period in my life. Well, I hope so. Yes. So, as <laughs> as it, you're, how old are you? Do you talk about it? What? How old are you? Do you? Uh, Seventy six. So you were born in in England, did, and uh, on the, just before the Second World War in 1939. So it was a rough start. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I yeah. mean, the first the first three years of my life, I didn't sleep in a bed. Uh, I slept on a mattress under a metal table in our downstairs room in case a bomb uh, knocked the building over. So, and blackout material so that the lights didn't really? uh, attract any German bombers that were coming over. Do you remember that? Oh, clearly, but and and, and not much to eat, uh, but quite healthy eating, mm-hmm. uh, um, rationing. Yeah, but I, of course you don't when you're growing up know that um, that that's not the norm. And uh, I, I was well looked after, a lot of love in my house. Yeah, it's, it's interesting in retrospect to know that, like as as an American person, you know, we never had experienced no, that. And, no. and 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 really, England was trashed. It was destroyed. Well, parts of it. Yeah. Although we were living in a relatively safe part of the country, so safe that when when families were evacuated. Uh, forcibly by the government, they were told to leave their homes in in, in dangerous places like London and uh-huh. Birmingham. Uh, a family came to live with us. Uh, Mrs. Levick, uh-huh. uh, the, Mr. Levick was left behind, firefighting, and 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 the two kids came to live with us as well. And I I, I said in an interview like this, I think on television in England quite recently, I don't know what's happened to the Levicks. Yeah, if you're watching, get in touch, and they have done. They did. They have done. Like, yeah, uh, the kid, the girl who's now my age, I suppose she, um, she's living in Canada. She's a grandmother. So, uh, oh, that's yeah. beautiful, isn't that lovely? Yes. Uh-huh. But so there were excitements in the war uh, of, 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 of a good sort uh, for me. Other people had their houses bombed and died. Of course, um, uh, war is is no fun. It's horrible. And how many siblings do you have? My just one elder sister who's dead now. Mm, mm. Sorry, that's all right. Um, and what what kind of like what kind of household was it? What did your old man do? What did your father do? He was a civil engineer. Yeah, and a pacifist, but it, he didn't have to um, register as unavailable for fighting because his job was thought to be too important. Um, because he was he was running the the water and the um, energy supplies and the street lighting and the buildings in the town where we lived. So. Uh, he was able to serve. Some some people had to uh, just stay at home and keep the place running. You <laughs> yeah, know? And so you, he yeah. he got a reasonable salary, and uh, uh, I, I remember celebrating the day that he earned a thousand pounds a year, which would be in those days probably three thousand dollars. But <laughs> you know, it's silly talking that way because the value of money has changed, of course. Yeah, and that was a big day, though. <laughs> It was yes, yeah. yes. We, we we I think we had tinned oranges that day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'm not sure what it is. What's it? <laughs> well, it's oranges in, in a tin. A, oh, yeah. can of orange. I can. I can. Yeah. Sorry, I can. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I picked up this in your driveway. Is that an orange? It's a little fruit. I think that came Citrus. off a uh, palm tree. It's some sort of uh, unedible date, I believe. Oh, is a date in there? Is there? Uh, yeah, but I don't think you can eat them. Okay. I, I would have known because I like to eat, so I would have known. But I'm going to take it as a souvenir. Sure. 
You did, can take did, it. I'm did did, give you did a, the president take a souvenir from here when he left? I, I, he, I, Just a happy memories, I suppose. Uh, very happy memories. He calls me every day. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have a beautiful hand-thrown mug I'm going to give you as well oh, at the end, if it goes well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good. How are we doing so far? Great. Oh, good. So, what? In your mother? Did she did she work? Uh, well, no, she worked as a uh, running the house and, mm-hmm. and two kids and, and and these evacuees who were living with us. So she had to sort. Was out. a whole family? It was a mother and a, a, a yeah, children. And two kids, yes, but my my mother cooked. Uh, a full full time job, isn't it? Running a house. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was in the days when, on the whole. Women didn't work, right. or mothers didn't work. Sure, so they were doing that job. But before that, she'd been a secretary. Mm-hmm. And by the time, well, she died when I was twelve. So whether she would have taken up a job after that, I wonder. Yeah, uh, so you were young. Yeah. Oh, dreadful, dreadful. Yeah. And, and your father's passed away too, huh? Well, That's now he yeah. has. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it, when did you begin to, you know, know that you wanted to act? It's a very specific type of acting you did for a lot of years. Hmm. Well, I, I I think my next job is going to be to try and write a memoir, and and that simple question is probably going to take up a couple of early chapters in the book. Well, we've got about you know we got <laughs> a, a, maybe five ten minutes to spare. But simply, uh, yeah. my sister and my parents enjoyed going to the theatre, the live theatre. So uh, you went as well as a so kid. So they took me along, and I liked it too. And I think I liked it more than they did. And uh, Shakespeare. I was, Mostly? Yeah, my sister took me to Macbeth, the play we were mentioning, when I was about eight or nine years old, uh-huh. an amateur production. And another play, Twelfth Night. Those are my first two Shakespeare. Do you remember who was in it? Uh, oh, um, I do. Keith Sykes. So the, these were amateur productions uh-huh. uh, in, in the local community theatre. Um, and I enjoyed it so much uh, that I wanted to find out how it was done. Uh-huh. Yeah, What's behind that curtain? The right. curtain in those days, the curtain went up. <gasps> look at that scenery, or look at those people. But what, where are they, what, when they when they leave the stage? Where do they go? Uh-huh. That's the question I wanted to answer. And the way to answer it was to become an amateur actor myself, which I did at school and elsewhere. And uh, I got backstage, which was the real thrill to me. Oh, that's how they do it. It was when it was, they pull that. That happens. I see. And then there is a, a the tradition of. Shakespeare Company is that everybody is really involved at, at all levels, right? I mean that, that you know you're doing some stage work, you're doing. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, I, I suppose that's true. And uh, I mean, I'm glad I didn't become a stage manager, right? I, you know, just dealing with with the uh-huh. uh, the objects that are needed to help tell the story. No, I, I did. I, I found out that I had an aptitude for. I suppose you call showing off. I, I, I like drawing attention to myself, but not as me, but as the character I was playing is, mm-hmm. is the interesting thing. Because all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players, I right. suppose. I, I, I was just doing a fairly human activity of pretending. But you didn't think necessarily think you as a person were, were that uh, No, and I didn't, I didn't think I was a very good actor either. So uh, although I did a lot of acting at school and then later at Cambridge University with... Uh, like-minded scholars who intended eventually to become professionals. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I I just enjoyed acting and didn't think I was good enough because I'd seen some very good actors uh, on stage and uh, I knew that I wasn't anywhere near that. So, Who were the guys that, that, that sort of blew you away at a young age that you would watch and be like, that is transcendent? Like, who was who the one that delivered the mes- message of Shakespeare to you uh, in, in terms of, of humanizing it and, and dramatizing it perfectly? Peggy Ashcroft. Uh-huh. Now, Peggy Ashcroft was um, on a level with uh, Laurence Olivier and John Gielgud and Ralph Richardson, Orson Welles, those sort of people who uh, names people might still remember. And she was the, she was the uh, leading actress I suppose of her time and I, I, I saw her do uh, a, a great deal and was riveted and overwhelmed uh, <laughs> uh, did you meet her I, I did meet her yeah oh yes I, we, we became quite good friends because she was a, a very open friendly person and <clears throat> although I, I did, did work with her a little bit eventually I, uh-huh. I couldn't believe my luck uh, <laughs> 
That's uh, amazing. But though, not, 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 not in a play, ever. On, on platform performances, readings and that sort of thing, yeah. Uh-huh. It was, yeah. But there's a whole... It, it wasn't one actor, it wasn't right. one production. Sure. It was just the whole theatre-going experience that I, I wanted to get by being on the stage rather than uh, in the audience. And, and what, how do you... You went to Cambridge... Yeah, I read, like you, I, I majored in uh, English, but didn't do enough work. I was in 21 undergraduate productions. There wasn't a drama faculty there. We just did this in our spare time. Right. And when did you do uh, the formal training for acting? I didn't. Really? I never have done, which is why I'm still learning. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think I judge each job still, but am I going to learn anything? Uh-huh. Am I going to, at the end of this, am I going to be better? Uh-huh. I mean, I hope to give the audience a good time, but uh, I, th- I feel as I'm, I'm a craftsman, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to make that perfect table, you know? Uh-huh, yeah. And there is no such thing. So, on we go. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's a constant... Uh, my work is a constant interest to me because uh, I know there's no end in sight. I haven't... I haven't found out yet how to do it. Oh yeah, you yeah. really, you really feel that. I do. I and do. but you like more than anyone I've and I've never had a a, a night in in here. Have you not? No, the first one. Hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you spent more time. Have you spent a night in here? Uh, no, it never got that bad in the house. Even <laughs> <laughs> with several troubled relationships, I never got so bad. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> but. uh but you spent more time on stage than you have, you know, on television or in movies. Really, I mean, the stage. Well, was I've, really- I've made on average uh, a, a film, either for TV or, or the, the cinema, uh, uh, one a year. Mm-hmm. So that will add up to uh, about sixty films. You haven't seen or heard of any of them because they weren't worth it. But uh, every so often, luck strikes, and and you're in something that uh, that catches the public's imagination. But I, I still, I suppose, if I want to define myself, think of myself as being a theatre actor. That's where I'm most at home. It's difficult to be at home in, in a studio. There's so much going on. There's so many people. Although you've got a part to play, it is only a part. Uh, and and what really is happening is, is a bit bewildering. But in the theatre, when it comes to delivering the story to yeah. the audience who's there yeah. and you go from the beginning through to the end the director is nowhere to be seen the lighting guy uh, is in a little box you can't see him the designer is on doing another production and it's just the actors and the audience and that's when I'm at my uh, happiest really it's so immediate so you I, can feel the life of it. it it is happening now yeah yeah, and, yeah. And it is, it, it's at that human level of direct communication which is why at times I rail against uh, 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 the technology that uh, mobile movies. people yeah. communicate so readily these days. Uh, but uh, we need, I think, for our, for our health sake and uh, to, to confirm our humanity, we need actually uh, to look people in the eye. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, as well as uh, hear each other. I mean, here we are having a perfectly uh, sociable uh, conversation, but you're wearing earphones. I mean, yeah. why, why, why? And I've got an earphone on. Why, why don't we just take them off and talk? We can. Do you want to? No, but okay. uh, this it's okay. <laughs> I've got used to the the idea. But um, no, I know it's micro- microphones in the theatre are absolute death to what 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 what, you, oh, what so I can see live. I, I I will not use a microphone in the theatre. But what you don't have problems with the hearing impaired to having uh, amplification, do you? No, well, of course they must have. Of course they must have that. Yeah. No, but uh, I. The point about audience, I go back to that audio, mm-hmm. uh, is that when the your your emotions, oh yeah, start deep down, yeah. uh, under that big muscle, it's called a diaphragm. It's mm-hmm. un, it's under your uh, below your lungs. And as you feel things down there, uh, it affects the way that you speak because it's pushing the air up in a particular way. And this air comes up through the body and then uh, at the throat and into the mouth through all those most intimate parts of your body, love-making places yeah. like tongues and yeah. cheeks and yeah. lips. And through there it goes. It can be measured as it travels across the air and it lands on your eardrum and your eardrum uh, vibrates and your ear and my diaphragm are connected yeah 
put a microphone in the way. Yeah. Not the same. Yeah, not a human. Not, in, not a human exchange. It isn't. No. I think that's true, mm. and I think that you, you know when you talk about theater and, and when like because I don't go to enough theater, and, mm. and I know that I, I've done plays and I enjoy seeing plays, but you know over time, uh, they're part of you. Uh, you know, if you're not a theater lover or a regular theater goer, you start to be like, well, is it a good play? Mm. <laughs> you know. So sure. yeah, how sure. how is that thing? But every time I'm there, even if it's an experimental performance, you cannot. It's undeniable. The, the risk of human engagement, which I think might mm. be why mm. people don't go as often as they should because theater, you know, for generations has been thought of as sort of a, a community lifeblood of, of mm. connection and creativity. Mm. Mm. But I think... Well, in the most primitive of societies, there will be storytellers sure. and people will gather around to listen. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, you know, before people could read or write, uh, the great stories were passed down orally. Yeah, uh, Homer. Homer, absolutely. Yeah. Homer wasn't a person, but what we know is that uh, uh, whoever wrote them or first spoke them, uh, they were repeated by uh, people who had learnt the words, uh, not having read them, and passed them on. And it was all it was all uh, on that very human level. It's 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 bizarre to me because I do stand up and I, I oh do you yeah yeah and I recently did. Uh, no, you you use a mic for that. But right, but like what I did recently, I was at the Opera House, uh, the the BAM in Brooklyn, yes. and I was performing. Yes. And I very consciously, you know, because I knew the the venue could handle it, that it was designed properly. So I, I, there were portions where I would step aside from the mic and, and get right up to the lip of the stage Good and engage like that. Good for you. But the difference is insane. I mean, it's it's like the difference of how people listen. Yeah. That they're, they're not allowed the distance anymore. That's right. Absolutely right. And Tony Bennett does that to great effect. At the end of his set, he always puts the mic aside and sings. And that's the magic moment. It's beautiful. That, that's what you remember. That's what you really want all the time. But uh, it's difficult because, um, you know, that's a big theatre you're talking about. I've worked there myself. But, yes, you. it's not that long ago that people didn't use microphones because they hadn't been invented. At and, all. And opera singers still don't use microphones. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's the thrill, thrill of opera. Do you, you, do you understand other languages? No. Oh. Opera's tricky. You, you kind of... Well, I, 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 I go and see opera or hear opera uh, spoke sung in english oh because like i watched one and they they literally have subtitles for it. oh well yes you can do that yes, yeah but yeah. then that's distracting yeah, yeah but what do you think like you know as somebody who who lives on the stage and, and when you do like let's say shakespeare and, yeah. and you're doing uh one of shakespeare's plays that you've done many times hmm. and maybe you're with a different cast than you've been previous hmm. is is it always a different experience emotionally is there moments where where something resonates differently every night or or is there is there a consistency to it? Well, it's bound to be different, isn't it? Because yeah. you're 24 hours older than you were when right. you last did it. I mean, right. But do you find new things? In Shakespeare, all yeah. the time. Yeah. No, you never get to the end of Shakespeare. Yeah, isn't that no, interesting? No, you don't. Uh, so, and is it different? Yeah, of course it's different because the, the, the audience is different. Uh, is a lot of it the same? Yes, of course it is, because you, you, <laughs> you've got to honor the script. Yeah, and, and more than half of an actor when he's acting is, is awareness of, of what's going on and, and, and the technician in you. But the, there has to be room for the unexpected, and the, the, the surprise, and, and, and it, you can only do that, of course, if you're working well with the other actors and because you, you have to do it together. Tell me about an amazing surprise, either for better or for worse, <laughs> in the middle of a play. Like, like uh, have there been times where, uh, you, you know, where something goes awry that, you, that sort of you, you'll never forget? Well, I worked once with a director called Mike Alfreds, who mm -hmm. was very influential mm -hmm. uh, on me mm -hmm. uh, uh, because... He uh, prepares and rehearses a play with his actors so that anything can happen during the performance, and that uh, anything and that, that that everything is genuinely improvised. And uh -huh. so his rehearsal, his preparation, is all about discovering everything possible you know about the characters. Uh, so that when you enter the stage, uh -huh. it doesn't matter where you stand on the stage, and you can work, work uh, walk, and be wherever you want on the stage. Nothing is set. Nothing yeah. is fixed. You're speaking the words. You, you you come onto the stage at the point at which the text says you should, and you leave it the same. But in between times, the the, the level of intensity of the of the emotions uh, 
will depend on how things are going tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, they, they may be... His, his instruction is uh, you must reach a, a level of reality. It doesn't matter how low and insignificant it seems to be if it's real and work up from that. Uh-huh. Don't come on and yeah. do that wonderful thing you did last night, which yeah. everyone is thrilled about. Yeah. No, no, don't do that, because they will yeah. not be thrilled, because it won't be Genuine. really genuinely in the moment. Yeah. So you're asking me about uh, something exciting that happened. It wasn't to me, except that I was in the audience when it happened. Uh, yeah. and they, his, he was doing a production of um, uh, by Anton Chekhov, the, the Russian player, who is my second favorite playwright. Uh, which play? play? Uh, it's called The Seagull. Yeah. A classic. And it's all about acting, actually. It's all about theatre, rather. Anyway. A boy entered, and he was reading a book. Mm -hmm. Important. He had to do that. It's in the script. But he dropped, the actor dropped the book. Yeah. (laughs) And he did what anyone would do. He picked up the book, but somebody else got to the book first and picked it up for him. Yeah. And, of course, they got it in their hand, and they opened the book to see what he'd been reading. And they reacted, and the play was going on, but yeah. there was this book, yeah. suddenly an important character in the play. Uh, and the book went down on the desk. The boy didn't have the book anymore. Somebody else wandered over and thought they'd have a look at the book. And they did. And after, as I said to the director, that business with the book, how, did that, how long did that take to rehearse? It's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> it's just impossible. So it's impossible in his productions yeah. to do anything wrong. If something goes wrong, it's right. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. It's ge- the spontaneity is the point. Right. But you can only do that if you know everything about the characters and, 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 and have not limited your knowledge to just what you decide to present to the audience. Everything is available for you. So that's almost an ideal for me. Difficult to accomplish, and, and, and everyone's got to be on the same side very much. and uh, to, be, to, to live in that moment. Oh, very, diff- very, very difficult. Who, who are your favorite, uh, you know, what, what, who are your favorite Shakespearean characters to play? Like, what do you like doing over and over again? Oh, I see. Well, Macbeth's passed me by now, but I was in a wonderful production, and uh, perhaps there's not much point in trying to do it again. Anyway, I'm too old. Right. Uh, so a lot of parts have gone uh, past so me by. You just end up with Lear at the end. Is that how it works? Uh, and I've done Lear's, uh, and I've also done Prospero in, in The Tempest. So, okay. But there, there are plenty of old men left, but uh, they're not necessarily the leading parts, which right. I may be grateful to in yeah. my dotage. I, I don't want the responsibility <laughs> right. of carrying the play. Um, but Lear, that, was that exhausting and exciting? I, I played that at BAM, where, yeah. uh, where you were. Um Yes, it's one of the most tiring jobs you could possibly get because for the first third of the play, he pretty well never stops talking and he's going through dreadful, dreadful uh, uh, physical and mental decline and uh, he's behaving out of character and being absolutely horrible to his daughter. And yeah. Uh, you're, you're at a constant level of high uh, emotion, uh, anger and and, uh, and regret and bewilderment and... Uh, I suppose going mad in front of the audience's eyes, uh-huh. uh, and and you do that for mm, an hour, an hour and a half, and when um, Shakespeare very kindly gives you a rest, and and he does with m- most of the big characters have a, a good time off stage. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're in we're in Brooklyn, uh, and I come to the pause for me in, yeah. in the play, uh, which. Uh, happens around an intermission so I had about mm, nearly an hour off stage although I was playing King Lear that's, that's the way it the, 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 the goes <laughs> yeah. and I, I did what I always uh, did during the show I lay down on the sofa and uh, tried to get some sleep knowing that my dresser would wake me up in, in, in time to, <laughs> <laughs> to get onto the stage however we're in a strange theatre a, a new dresser a local person who didn't quite know the, the play uh, and, and when he realised it was time for me to get ready, he popped into the dressing room and couldn't see me because I, I was I was on a sofa. I was covered up with blankets, yeah, and cushions against yeah. the sound of, of uh, in the theatre. And uh, I was obviously sleeping quietly. 
They couldn't find King Lear. He was asleep. <laughs> Eventually, someone more familiar with my ways than this dresser uh, shook me to life, and, and I, I ran down onto the stage just to meet two very bewildered actors who'd been ad-libbing Shakespeare for the last three or four minutes. <laughs> Which is no easy task. No, I did apologise to them an awful lot. <laughs> now, now, when you do Lear at the age you're at, do, yeah. does do, do you... Do, you know, how does how does that, that that affect you? I mean, how I mean, because I imagine it seems to me that like if the story about in the one story that I know about the difference between a Shakespearean actor and, and say uh, an actor of another sort, uh, a method mm-hmm. actor or somebody who comes from the inside first over you know you know the outside. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. Um, do do you does it become risky for you as, at your age to do something like that? Does it inform, is it frightening? It's frightening to the extent that um, these old boys are old and, and uh, you think of them as far distant from yourself And until uh, in your early 70s you play a man in his early 80s who is um, going mad uh, well, it's a bit close to home. Right. <laughs> and, uh, same with Mr. Holmes. The, the new movie, The, the yeah. movie I'm doing at the moment, I'm, I'm playing him when he's 93 years old. And the, and the conceit of this movie is he's the real Holmes. And, he's and, the real Holmes, yes. And, yes. and he's uh, he's basically retired. Correct. <laughs> Holmes, Holmes is a real person, uh, and uh, uh, his friend Dr. Watson wrote these fictional accounts of his life, and they, they, they weren't necessarily accurate. And, uh-huh. He didn't wear a deer stalker, and he'd, he'd much preferred a cigar to a pipe. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, that only matters to Holmes in that, in his retirement, and he's not worked for 30 years. And Dr. Watson is long uh, married and long gone dead, I think. Uh, he has uh, a puzzle about the last case that he failed to solve, the case that sent him into retirement 30 years before. And... As he's declining physically and mentally, excuse me, he, he we see him just coming back from a long journey to Japan just after the last war uh, where he's been looking for some elixir of life oh. to give him the energy, to yeah. give, bring back the memory so that he can solve this last puzzle because he knows it's important and he can't die until he's done An it. An unclosed case from 30 years ago. Correct. Mm-hmm. Which Dr. Watson had written down as... as Solved with all his customary flair. As a fiction. As a, as a fiction, but mm-hmm. uh, Holmes knew that the truth was other. And what that other is is what the film is trying to uncover. And it turns out that uh, uh, he very nearly fell in love. Oh. And if he had done, uh, he would have been a different Holmes and uh, it would have been a different life. And uh, in, in, in discovering this, he, he opens up his heart. It's, oh. a, it's, it's a wonderfully sentimental, happy ending oh good a happy ending because the homes <laughs> that you're left with at the end is, is a homes who's reconciled to himself understands himself and is nicer to everybody around him because of it oh, uh, i should uh, have my father see this movie <laughs> <laughs> yes well uh what's rather nice is that a, a lot of old people like it because it reflects interests that they have I mean what do you do when your body's going and and and, and your mind too and you have unresolved shit and um, absolutely but it, it it also appeals to younger people who perhaps think hmm perhaps I better attend to things now while they're happening rather than leaving it too late it's interesting how hard that can be well that's life isn't it well yeah you know you get old in your eyes I can't believe for so many years I was such a, a you know obstinate or or stubborn or it, it, what you used to be angry about you can't even understand anymore well how could i have been angry about exactly, that for so long exactly exactly life is very very difficult which is probably one of the reasons i'm an actor because acting is very very easy in comparison with life and you can process big things yes and and, and it's all written down for you and you know how it's going to end <laughs> and you know what you know what happens next unless you're in one of your friends plays which <laughs> could go any either way <laughs> anything yes, could happen that's right well but i think that in terms of your life that uh you you un you relieved yourself of the burden of being closeted at a fairly young age which i think was a profound decision right well, it didn't seem a young age to me. I was 49. Oh, okay. 49. All right. But you, now, there, right. There, there are gradations of coming out. It's a journey that people go on. And the, the, but the people who are close to you knew. 
right? They they did. Oh, absolutely. Right. People I worked with, right. people who employed me. No, the two the two areas of my life where I was closeted, crucially, with my close blood family, my stepmother and my sister and another and my aunts and so on. And the, and then a little bit of coming out journey, which most people don't have to worry about, which which is talking about it publicly uh, on sure. occasions like this. Uh, and I had never done that either. So when when I when the government was passing a, a particularly nasty anti-gay law, and I which I took um, personally, very personally, I I, I got angry and uh, I kicked the door open uh, and and said on a radio. Uh, BBC radio program that I was gay in, in, in debating this particular law. What was it specifically? What was it restricting? The law. Uh, uh, well, Google it. Section 28 yeah. of the Local Government Act. And, mm. and it said that um, because gay people uh, have only pretended family relationships. Oh, my God. Mm, therefore, uh, it would be illegal to uh, talk positively about homosexuality in uh, any school. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, on the grounds that you, that if you were to do that, you would be promoting homosexuality. You would be encouraging kids to become gay. Right. As if such a thing were possible. Right. Uh, any more than it's uh, uh, possible, in my view, to encourage gay kids to become straight. So it was a horrible law. But incidentally, uh, it is the law which has just become... Uh, the law of Russia throughout Russia, it, you you may not on the grounds that you may not promote homosexuality. You can't talk positively positively about gay issues to anyone under the age of eighteen. It's, That's it's, the law in Russia. It's insane. It is insane and cruel mm -hmm. and and unfair and ridiculous and antisocial in every possible way. So, in, in debating that uh, uh, with someone who approved of this new law uh, it was only too easy for me to say will you stop talking about them you're talking about me mm. that shut him up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes and, and of course I have a, I, a I great have, moment it was I haven't <laughs> I haven't shut up ever since and, and so it was hugely important to me because it was a great relief I didn't understand that I'd been uh, censoring myself my life had been perfectly easy I'd been getting along alright what do you mean you didn't understand it was just the way it was that you, you I assumed you, that that's the way it was you, you, you behave a certain you, way you, 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 uh, you're gay uh, you may not show your affections in public you may not hold hands with, with, with the person you're sleeping with yeah uh, you can't put your arms you can't kiss them yeah you can't do any of the normal things like that you can't talk about it uh, you're different and of course when I started out being sexually active it was actually against the law yeah uh, to, to have sex yeah. I, mean, I, I have friends who were put put in prison were they yes they were discovered to have had sex uh, wow <laughs> you can't believe it can you so uh, for like a long time or no few yeah, few, yeah. few months but uh, scar scars you for life yeah, so knowing that that's a possibility that then then you you restrict yourself and you see other people doing the same thing, and you think, "Well, this is this is the way that life is," and you buy into the lie that uh, homosexuality is unnatural. And uh, so, there's a natural shame to it, just by and, oh, absolute shame. And that's that's no way to. So live. one no, and one, and it's living in it's living in a closet. Mm -hmm. It's living in a place where it's dark and mm -hmm. dusty with old things that aren't used. And, to and you and you don't like yourself. You probably uh, no, you certainly don't like yourself, and nor do you much like society that, mm. that makes you like that. Once you stop all that, oh, the relief. I can't, I can't imagine. The joy. Yeah. Uh, proud to be gay. No, no, no. Proud to say I'm gay. Yeah. Glad yeah. to be gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful yeah. word, gay. Yeah. <laughs> Before that, it was queer, you know. Yeah. Some clever activist said, eh, it's not working, this calling ourselves queer. Let, yeah. Let's choose our own word. Hmm. What about blue now? That's quite right. Yellow. With gold. Mm. <laughs> gay. Gay is a nice word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. So, and then everything, everything in your life becomes better. I bet. All your relationships are improved. No, there was no backlash at all. None at all. Yeah. A few death threats. From freaks. From just, yeah, yeah. From, from people who, if they were intending to kill me, were... were 
didn't have the... Yeah. Thank yeah. God. I was living yeah. in a country where guns were not available. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, better actor, I would say, a different actor. Uh, How so? Acting became no longer uh, an, a release for emotions that I wasn't allowed to have oh, interesting. elsewhere in my life. Do you think that maybe some of your desire to act was around that I do. shame? I do. I, really? I, I think that's true of a lot of other... A lot of actors are gay. Yeah. So they're hiding. They're, they're finding a sort of fulfillment. They're, they're indulging uh, pretend emotions. They're, they're, but all of the emotions. And, yes. and to, to yes. very uh, yeah. big degrees. That's right. But when you're out... You can have them in real life. You can, and on stage. And I can now cry on stage. I could never cry before. Really? How how do you I, fake I, it? I, I was just... You just pretended. It was no. fake. It was it, fake. Yeah. My acting was fake. Mm. My acting was disguise. Mm. Now my acting is about revelation. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. So, you, so, so for, everything's better. So, for, uh, so I can't stop talking and telling people... Come out, yeah. join the human race. Right, literally. Uh, Absolutely. Like open your heart. Uh, yes, of course. Allow yourself to be seen. Yes. So um, you didn't, you weren't able to cry for real on stage until you were older than forty nine. Forty nine is. What I it's think it. so. Yeah, uh, I was doing Uncle Vanya, another Chekhov play, and uh, the 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 character reaches an emotional state, and tears are appropriate, and one day they just it happens. Just happened. Was it a great day? That must have been a great well, day. Well, that's bewildering, but... but, but uh, <laughs> I'm crying. A great relief, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, when were you... I, 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 don't, I don't do as much research as I should, probably, but these, um, these different um, things that are, you, you, you were given in England, the, the commander of the Order of the British Empire, the oh, yes. being knighted. Can, yes. can you explain those a little? Because we don't have yeah. those here. You do. You, well, uh, mo most, uh, most countries have civil medals. Right. And that's what they are. Uh, um, uh, quite a lot of medals are given out each year on the advice of the government, and, and the Queen, as head of state, uh, hands them out. Yeah. She, she doesn't draw up the list. Um, but she shows up for the knighting, I imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. and 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 uh, there's a, the, there are grades of medals. Uh -huh. and, uh, knighthood, surprisingly, is not at the top. The, you, really, the, the, there are others beyond that. What are uh, those? Are they secret? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got one of them. I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a companion of honor. Wow, that's bigger than knighting. Yeah, because there are only sixty-eight of us. Mm. You have to wait for someone to die before you, you might be given a companion of honor. And beyond that, there's another one, which is the Order of Merit, and there are only 25 of those. And what... what, what These are extremely distinguished uh, uh, people. So among the knights, it's like not a big deal anymore? Like, yeah, I got knighted. <laughs> <laughs> well, a knighthood draws attention to itself because it, it comes with a title. Yeah. And, and I find that a bit of a bind. I mean, I don't want to be separated out from everybody else. But uh, if if the nation says to you, thank you, yeah, here's a medal. Yeah. Hang it on the Christmas tree, which is what I do. Um, wear it on Sunday best occasions. Yeah. Uh, why should you resist? No, of course. But when it comes to the title, there's good reason to resist. Sir. And and people do resist it. And Sir. Distinguished people have said, no, I, I don't want a knighthood. David Hockney, my, my good friend, the painter who lives close by. Here, he refused knighthood and others have done the same. Uh, but when it, came to the, when it came to the Companion of Honor, yeah. he didn't mind because it was just two initials at the end of his name, which he could use or not, and nobody really knew. Right. What, there's a pressure to having a sir? I, 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 is it insulting somehow? Why would you resist it? Well, because, well, uh, some people think, and I'm one of them, that uh, by accepting an honor in the Queen's name and, 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 uh, apply, uh, implying an allegiance to... Uh, a hereditary uh, head of state, you're buying into that uh, system of... Um, monarchy? Of monarchy. And uh, on the whole, uh, monarchy has its uses. Uh, it doesn't 
does it get in the way? But I think perhaps it does, because it, it suggests that there's a hierarchy in society, uh-huh. which is fixed at birth. Yes. You know, yes. it's not an elected monarch. Right. That's, right. what you, that's what you have. Right. So I, that's the statement. I get it. That yeah. I think we ought to have, really. And and if you accept a knighthood, you're sort of saying, well, you bowed in front of the Queen, didn't you? And she tapped you on the shoulder. But how was that day? <laughs> Uh, as, as someone, you're, 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 you're asking me to to to, to reveal the, the the best bits in my uh, upcoming memoirs, but I'll, uh, what's it like? What's it's, the it's, day it's, like? It's, well, it's, the day the day is is very exciting. You're going inside a building that uh, you don't normally get inside, and and going into parts of it where the public doesn't go, except on these occasions. And uh, you stand in line, and eventually your name is called out, and you step forward, and there is. This familiar person, yeah, who you know so well, yeah, and yet you never met her. She's out it of is money. Ex- it is extraordinary, yeah. But I like it because at that moment when the hand is shaked, uh-huh. you're shaking hand with the nation. Uh-huh. That's what she's. That's her job. She's representing all the people you know, all your neighbours. All the people you don't know for centuries, and saying, "Well, for centuries," and saying, "We belong. We're together." And this person mm. is there, and she's looking right into your eyes. What she's like as a person—that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Whether you would like her, who knows? Yeah, doesn't matter. It's yeah. not the point. So it, it's a bit of high theatre uh-huh. going on, and 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 you are at that moment playing a principal part, uh-huh. and you're playing opposite yeah. <laughs> the yeah. the queen. Uh-huh. She doesn't have a name, the queen. And, and so it's it's quite alluring. Mm. But as somebody who you know, that we talked about earlier, that you know this human connection, this this auditory, this this yep. this visceral mm. experience, mm. did did you feel it? I mean, was there, what, you, mm. you know, even with all the pomp mm. and circumstance mm. and... Mm. Yes, but I would like it to be even more special than it was because, unfortunately, her conversation can't be... Partic- Candid. Particularly yeah. personal. Right. And the last time I went to get a medal from her, she said, um, you've been doing this for an awfully long time, haven't you? I wonder if she knew what this was. but And I had the way to say, well, not as long as you have been doing it, Mum. <laughs> and the nation smiled and even had a little chuckle. Uh, so, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> but then she shook my hand, which is the formality, and the handshake, I'm afraid, with the Queen is not a shake up and down, but a push away. Oh, okay. You, you feel it. Off you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because she's got more people to do. She's got to get through it. But you got to laugh. I, I made the nation laugh, yes. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. It's a very exciting moment. Mm. So, okay, you know, we've, now we have a few minutes left. Okay. Because uh, you have to, to get back to Hollywood. Um, these these amazing you know turns of uh, events in your career where you play these uh, recurring you know powerful roles in, in these fantasy pictures. Oh, yes. As an actor, and I know we briefly talked about it at the beginning in terms of it's just another job, but it's a it's a it's a good job, right? <laughs> like you must, acting. Well, no, the the you know when you asked to be when you're asked to play you know uh, Gandalf, Gandalf. Or, or Magneto again, you're well, like yeah, well, of course. Well, I'm mean, uh, Have you been to New Zealand? No. Oh. But if you like living where you do, yeah. Uh, Surrounded by sky and weather, yeah. go to New Zealand because uh-huh. they have more of it. It's <laughs> beautiful, right? Overwhelmingly beautiful. Mm. As you drive down some of those empty roads and surrounded by rapidly changing scenery, mountains and glaciers and volcanoes, and you hear yourself saying, I believe in God mm-hmm. because this couldn't just have happened. Wow. <laughs> yes, yeah, wonderful. Anyway, so. Uh, I've had I'd had three films worth of that, and then they say come back and do three more. And apart from the lure of New Zealand, it 
I couldn't have anybody else playing the Gandalf. No. Anybody could play him. Right. It's easy. Sure. Put on the beard, put on the bush, and there you are. But <laughs> I wasn't going to have uh, Anthony Hopkins take over, you know. <laughs> yeah, not the cannibal. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, if we're coming to the end of... of uh, I'm going to give you a bit of Shakespeare. Okay. I'm going to give you a little present. Thank you. And... I just hope the publicist doesn't knock on the door in the middle of it. So let's do it. Well, that would be improvisation. Okay, but perfectly right. But it's a. This is a speech from a play uh, uh, that isn't in the Shakespeare canon because it, uh, he and others wrote it together. Uh-huh. It's apparently what they did in those days. Rather like a group of people will will write a TV series today and. Um, the leading character is called Thomas More, and Thomas More is a lawyer, and he's sent out uh, by the authorities to put down a riot that's happening in the middle of London, and the riot is all about the strangers in their midst, uh, immigrants. Yeah. People with eat food, smells different, uh-huh. they look different, uh-huh. wear different clothes, different language, and... Uh, better send them back wherever they came from and uh, uh, it's a special speech not just for what it says but because it's the only speech that exists in Shakespeare's handwriting oh okay there it is in the British Museum yeah Uh, and so you think oh this must have meant a lot to Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is how it goes. They, uh, so someone in the crowd shouts that the strangers should be removed. And Thomas More says, grant them removed. And grant that this your noise hath chid down all the majesty of England. Imagine that you see the wretched strangers, their babies at their backs with their poor luggage plodding to the ports and coasts for transportation and that you sit as kings in your desires authority quite silenced by your brawl and you in rough of your opinions clothed what had you got I'll tell you you had taught how insolence and strong hand should prevail how order should be quelled and by this pattern, not one of you should live an aged man, for other ruffians, as their fancies wrought, will self-same hand, self-reasoned and self-right, would shark on you, and men like ravenous fishes feed on one another. Oh, desperate as you are, wash your foul minds with tears, and those same hands that you like rebels lift against the peace, lift up for peace." and your unreverent knees make them your feet to kneel to be forgiven. You'll put down strangers, kill them, cut their throats, and lead the majesty of law in lime to slip him like a hound. Say now, the king, as he is clement, if the offender mourn, should so much come too short of your great trespass as but to banish you. Whither would you go? What country, by the nature of your error, should give you harbour? Go you to France, or Flanders, to any German province, Spain, or Portugal, nay, anywhere that not adheres to England? Why, you must needs be strangers. Would you be pleased to find a nation of such barbarous temper that breaking out in hideous violence would not afford you an abode on earth? Whet their detested knives against your throats spurn you like dogs and like as if that god owned not nor made not you nor that the elements were not all appropriate to your comfort but chartered unto them what would you think to be thus used this is the stranger's case and this your mountainish inhumanity That's amazing. Hmm. Thanks for talking to me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.
Was that astounding to hear Shakespeare? How amazing was that to be spoken to in a, in a Shakespearean monologue? He was looking right at me, and I was looking right at him as he spoke those words. And it was moving, it, 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 and I let myself open to feel it, and it did do exactly uh, what I needed to happen, which was I understood every word of that, and I felt it, and I felt what he was saying. He taught me a lesson in Shakespeare, among other things. I, I found that to be uh, a wonderful conversation, and I do not use that word often. I use other words that are like it. It's not that I don't feel that often, but wonderful is... A, is I find it to be an awkward word, but I enjoy talking to him, and now I'm, I need to... Um, get into Shakespeare big time full on full on Shakespeare go to WTFpod.com there are no books left but there's other things if you're looking for mugs you can go to BrianRJones.com he might have a few but he's a potter and he has a child there's only so much he can do Uh, he'll make another batch eventually but uh, you can check that out did I say WTFpod.com get on the mailing list get the uh, get some go to the merch page there's a lot of new posters cool shit alright enough selling enough selling I'm going to introduce you to the little monster now, all right? As I said, it's been a gray day here, all right? It's been a gray day, so we need to do some gray day music. And the little monster is a 1965 Fender Champ amp. Okay, so a little buzz. It's a little buzz. (laughs) 